are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Ryan Gill of Hunt Primitive, although many of you may know him better from Gill's Primitive Archery. Ryan produces primitive hunting videos to entertain, educate, and inspire others to take up the ultimate challenge of hunting with sticks and stones. He also professionally makes and sells bows, arrows, atlatls, and about anything else you can imagine needed for the primitive hunt. You can find all of those on his website at www.huntprimitive.com. And be sure to follow Ryan on his adventures as he gives out tons of free content for those wanting to build their own hunting implements and better their own primitive skills. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for Hunt Primitive. That's spelled with no space, all one word, Hunt Primitive. And joining us today is Mr. Ryan Gill himself. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Steve Angel. And tonight we're going to start uh, kicking off our series of podcasts that I spoke about just a few weeks ago that uh, I'm working with um, in conjunction with Ryan Gill of Hunt Primitive. And we're going to call this the Traditional Outdoors and Hunt Primitive Collaboration Effort. So how's it going, Ryan? Oh, it's going real good. I certainly can't complain. Uh, I actually spent the whole day still working on that bison hide tanning it <clears throat> and so my fingers feel like they're all pulling pulling apart from the from the nails from my fingertips <laughs> but other than that we're in pretty good shape yeah that doesn't that doesn't sound like near as much fun as the hunt no <laughs> no well i want to i want to get right into our content uh ryan but just real quickly i do want to take just a minute to remind everyone that we do have that contest that's Uh, Going on right now for the uh, five-weight custom fiberglass fly rod and the uh, custom license plate from Scott Spray. So if you haven't done so, get out there and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, and we'll be drawing that winner in a couple of weeks. So with that said and behind us, let's just go ahead and jump right into the content here. Uh, Tonight on the show, we've got Mr. Benji Hill, and I'm going to let Ryan do a quick little introduction to Benji, and uh, we'll get started. All right. Well, uh, Benji and I met on our elk hunt. So if anybody has seen uh, that video where we went to Idaho, uh, Benji was one of the main players in that. In fact, he's the one that was leading his pack goats uh, up on that hunt. So, of course, we're I'm I'm all too excited to have him on and chat with him about all the different things he's had going on. I suppose we can talk a little bit about that hunt as well, but he's a, an extremely interesting person. In fact, he would rather spend his time in the mountains, uh, monkeying around with goats and trees and twigs and whatever else he does than be on a computer. So it's, uh, we're, we're probably really fortunate that we were able to convince him to come on. Yeah, but we yeah. might not be able to convince him to come back after we just spent the last 20, 25, 30 minutes getting this, getting this recording stuff set up going. But how are you doing tonight, Benji? Hey, you guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, that was the most computer time I've done (laughs) since high school, I think. (laughs) Well, I do appreciate you going through the effort with me. I really do. Hey, I'm happy to learn and I do try and keep this little bit of balance. But since my wife's so good at it, I don't have to do too much. So anyway, great to be here and uh, glad to chat with you boys. So I I shouldn't expect you to score very well on the test. I'm going to send you next week. Uh, if it's uh, <laughs> flint napping, hides, um, I'm working on an elk hide right now too. So Ryan and I are on hides and bows. I think I'd pass, but everything else, I don't know. Maybe goats. 
a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, I kind of want to know, I don't I actually don't even completely know the story behind it and it doesn't have to be real in depth, but how you really got started uh, with the goats. And I guess oh. for everybody out there, maybe tell a little bit uh, about what you do with the goats. Well, that's, uh, that's cool because the guy that came with us and was our professional caller, Mr. Ryan Smalls, he was my liaison to goat packing. And uh, Ryan, Ryan here uh, got to meet him as well, and he was integral part of the calling and the adventure we had in Idaho. So, um, yeah, Ryan got into um, from a guy named Cedar, and I don't know his last name, down in Colorado. And this guy was just, you know, hauling meat out of the woods left and right and uh, just loving his goats. And uh, Ryan got in, my buddy, other buddy Ryan, um, and got a bunch of those. And if, uh, if it wasn't a funniest story, I guess, was that we went down to hunt with him and his goats. And uh, he trusted us with his goats so much, my wife and I, that he left his goats, five of them, with us. And we had about a half a day with them before we lost the whole crew and a seven-day elk hunt in Colorado went down the drain looking for the goats for the next six days. So that's how I started goats. And uh, uh, we do have a sign from our wedding that he made us out of a big saw wheel that says the Lost Goat Ranch because of our losing of his goats and about 6000 bucks in stock within you know a half a day of having them. So that's how I got into goat packing, and it's been a lot easier ever since. So <laughs> well, That's good. Yeah, I guess I did remember that that Ryan Smalls was the one that got you into it. Now that you remind me, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so uh, and of course I know what you do, but essentially it's the same thing. I mean, you're running, uh, you know, the pack goats to help carry your gear, and yeah. also anything out of the woods, much like it, you know, helped carry my elk out. Um, are you doing? You're doing some outfitting now as well. Or are you working for an outfitter? Yeah, I work for Sun Valley Outfitters. Uh, Bryant Dunn is the outfitter in this area. He, you have to work for an outfitter, um, you know, uh, for this kind of stuff. And I am the only goat packer. And uh, yeah, I'm taking on bear hunting operations this spring. And I'm going to do rifle hunting in October too this year just because it's so much fun to be outside. I don't really like to rifle hunt, but I do like muzzleloaders. And I'm interested in the flintlocks like you are just learning. Um but uh, I'm happy to spend the time out there with the animals and, and put them. They like doing their job, as you saw. They're, they're proud animals and they're fun to be with. And the people that I've taken have all had a good time that like animals, obviously. So uh, oh, yeah. it adds, adds a cool twist to it. And they're a little different than horses. And, and a lot of people don't want to ride horses and deal with having to bring their food in. And the goat's just free range. And, you know, Pablo will sleep in the tent with you and... You know, they, they kind of hunt right alongside you, as uh, you saw. And uh, the horses, you know, it's a little different style of hunt. So it's yep. kind of a different way to approach hunting here in the West and, and taking the load off and uh, making it an enjoyable experience. So, Yeah, Pablo was my favorite. Hashtag Adventures with Pablo. I know. He's, <laughs> he's still going. We, he had a rough summer. We almost lost him. But you know what? He's doing good, and he's almost uh, it's almost spring here soon. So. I oh think boy. he's going to make it through, so hopefully he does. Yeah, he was just a goat in training when I was out there, so he wasn't carrying but, I don't know, 20 or 30 pounds, I think. Yeah. But uh, he was just kind of along for the ride, but very, very <laughs> likable for sure. <laughs> yeah, he kind of grows on you, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. What's the, yeah, and, and actually my wife, you know, that she's never obviously met Pablo or, or you guys, but she follows along and 
with the the hashtag adventures of Pablo. <laughs> yeah. she, she likes yeah, the goat so much. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of ran out of content here, surviving winter, and it's not too interesting to watch Pablo go through his uh, you know feeding routine every day of the week. So we've kind of cut back on sharing as much until we get out in the woods here again hopefully you know before april and bear season starts so yeah for sure how many how much uh how much weight do those goats carry i don't remember well those the guys that we had those older guys will carry a quarter of their body weight the bigger dudes sanook and elvis and and uh beavis um that's about maximum but um if the terrain's flat and you know you're on a trail i had sanook the biggest goat the toggenberg he carried out two uh, elk cow hinds, which weighed in at 84 pounds. So he walked those out, no oh, wow. problem. So dang close to a third of his body weight or, you know, a little bit more. So, and had it no problem doing it. He was still trotting and jumping creeks and stuff. So they're pretty rugged. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they carried every bit of meat out for my elk. And yeah. uh, we didn't think that they were going to be able to do it, especially on that steep shell slide. Oh. That Man, thing was rugged. Great. Yeah. yeah. That was My, steep up there where we, we packed that guy off the hill, wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was actually kind of scary in some spots because once you got going, you couldn't stop. <laughs> yeah. No, you got the real you deal. <laughs> you got the real deal. You got the, mm-hmm. the one encounter deal, but you got the real deal. You got the full pack out and the full calling sequence. And, you know, it was the full tribe hunt down. So it was for the time we spent, it was high quality, wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. And I I feel like I got, uh, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say cheated. That's not a good word. And short, it's not either. No. Um, but I got like, um, I got off easy. <laughs> kind of yeah. did, you know, as far yeah. as the hunt goes. Now the pack out, no. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly far, but it was definitely steep and rugged. But, uh, you know, of course, anybody that wants to go see that video, you can find it on my hunt primitive YouTube channel. Really, if you look up hunt primitive elk hunt, I mean, it's going to pop up. Yeah. And uh, and basically, kind of just to walk you through a little bit of that story, I mean, I got off the plane and met Benji for the first time and had uh, Tim uh, Rayleigh as, the, as my cameraman. He was along for, uh, you know, doing his job. And then, of course, Ryan Smalls, Benji's friend, you know, we all kind of got together and just headed up in there. And we were supposed to go, what, about five miles or so in, I think. Yep. And it was the first evening, and I, I was going on, like, no sleep. I had been up since 3 o'clock that morning, and, you know, Eastern time, and now it's Western time, you know, shoot, I don't know, 3, 4 o'clock. So, I mean, I, I was whipped. I was really hurting. <laughs> and we were only, you know, what, about a mile or two, mile and a half, somewhere in there up. And yeah. Ryan, Ryan Smalls definitely was more conditioned to it than I was. It wasn't even a tough trail. I was just tired. And we get up, catch up to him, and, you know, he's he's over there looking at a bull elk on the other side of the mountain, and we're all like, where are we going to, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know, let's go try to kill it. You know, thinking, the first one never works out, ever, you know, but the f- yeah. sooner you can get the first one out of the way, <laughs> then you know, it starts. The, the better, you know. So yeah. I'm like, well, it's already, you know, it already kind of sucks, so let's just go, you know, let's <laughs> do, do it. Oh. And uh, sure enough, you know, cross the cross the creek down at the bottom take my moccasins off and cross that was cold and then put them back on climb the other side and you know what it was it was like dark 30 and that elk just happened to come down the trail you know after some calling it walked down the trail and it caught an arrow and of course i didn't make a good shot 
I would say a lot of things went into play, and I mean, there's always an excuse for everything, but you know, at the end of the day, I just didn't make a good shot, hit it far back, and uh, you know, had good blood right away, but we left it till morning, you know, and we packed up over the top of the mountain. Everybody was pretty much hating me at that point, <laughs> and uh, you know, but we caught back up with it, you know, and then it was up about what 10,000 feet or so <laughs> yeah we were and, we were a mile by gps i remember checking a mile from where he laid down yep exactly it almost all up almost all of it up and uh so yeah it was uh it was quite the experience but then of course then we had to come back <laughs> and then get the goats and then head back up and of course that was the next day <laughs> so yeah because yeah. you couldn't do that in the same day so i mean you had to take that hike all the way up then all the way down and then all the way up the next day and then all the way back down yep. so and i tell you what the goats were just an invaluable resource if we would have had to take several trips up and down mm-hmm. actually we would have lost we would have ended up losing all the meat i think we just wouldn't have made it in time yeah and uh and i didn't realize that you know and probably a lot of other people don't unless they've hunted big animals uh is that you know, like you you and Ryan Smalls told me that, you know, a big animal spoils much quicker because it holds the heat in, you know. And I was like, man, it's cold. You know, deer lay up here for three days and be fine, you know. Yeah. But an elk will turn real fast. And I was actually employing that in our, in the recent bison hunt, you know, when we had it down. It was like, I don't want to let it go, um, you know, overnight and have to come back. So we were busting butt trying to get it done because I was worried about, you know, any sort of spoilage in it. Yeah. But, uh. I mean, yeah, we would have we would have never got it all down no. and in good shape without the goats, without no. a doubt. And I'm glad you butchered it right away too. Like you came down, I would have loved to have you come back up and get into the hunting and more. But if you didn't process that animal, they would have bone soured, and you would have gotten you know nothing really comparatively to what you got. So I'm glad you did that. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a little bit of loss on it, you know, or I mean, a decent amount even. But it was, you know, anything that was basically on the side that the elk was laying on you know and it was just a little questionable every now and then we well we still have just a just a tiny bit left <laughs> of the oh, meat we kind of been hanging on to and because uh, it's just the best meat you know we've ever had period and every now and then we'll get a little surprise of a little tasted <laughs> a little mm-hmm. taste of tainted uh, meat <laughs> in there yeah but it's not bad it's usually just one tiny little corner and uh but i'll giggle about it of course my wife doesn't think it's real funny, but I kind of do. <laughs> and when, and you may have said this, and it just went over my head. When when was this hunt? It was um, not this past September, but the September prior, which is amazing because it feels like oh. three years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we spent so a good bit of time know, in there. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, so it just felt. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time, but it's only in. It's only been a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a good adventure. I'm glad you made it out because remember the hurricanes and stuff. You were supposed to come before I started guiding, and then I ended up guiding a week, and my guys had no chances. We were in horrible weather, blizzards, rain, wind, uncontrollable wind, blowing setup after setup, and I was really like, you know, kind of doubtful it was going to be good. And you showed up. We were in the woods, and next thing you know, the wind was draining. It was cool out, and elk were talking, and then we were tracking a wounded elk, you know, it happened like within an afternoon. So kind of a cool lesson there that, you know, we hunt for seasons and lifetimes and this all goes down in a matter of minutes when it comes down to it. So you got to be ready. And yeah. 
kind of a good lesson you learned and I, I learned from you is, you know, you're tired, you're, you didn't get enough sleep or whatever, but that moment may come as soon as you get up in that first blue light, that may be your chance of a lifetime. So still glad you made that shot and we were able to, yep. uh, to, to get that animal. So. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a good shot, but it's a, really it's the shot of a lifetime, you know, to most people could go out and hunt public land in the mountains, you know, for a lifetime and never get a close encounter like that to be able to to kill one you know and of course i was able to do it in the first couple hours which is you know just pure luck being in the right place at the right time and being tenacious enough to say hey i'm gonna hunt instead of sitting at camp and hey you know we'll hunt tomorrow so you know a lot of a lot of things could have changed obviously you know of course you never know guy could have gotten another chance but i feel like you get one chance in a hunt like that (laughs) no (laughs) we did have a bull. You missed out on the night uh, that you went back to town. We went up to the ridge and we got one to answer in a basin. And I'm not kidding you. That thing came in at midnight and just sent the goats, you know, running everywhere and came in and basically scared us out of camp that night. I mean, I can't believe that we had this great bull come in in the middle of the night. And, you know, we <laughs> we should have never been bugling right at dark, you know, thinking we were going to just locate because there was our chance. That was my best chance of the season, and it was just bad timing. So it was happening in there that, that week or those last 10 days. It was exciting. So, Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. I missed out on so much of, of the hunt aspect, but I wasn't going to complain because not only did I get one, but I sure – paid you know the price of that in in tracking and packing out so <laughs> you were <laughs> walking you did, out i guess you did your homework training though i was i was impressed you know you did uh, use the little oxygen mask which i thought was a cool tool i've never had anybody come here using that oxygen restrictor it's kind of like an mma tool but you mm-hmm. you held up just fine for somebody who just jumped into eight thousand nine thousand and a half feet and go straight uphill four times you know that's not easy to do yeah. And I guess, you know, living in Montana a couple of years, I kind of knew what I was getting into doing that. And, uh, you know, I've always acted elevation has never seemed to bother me. And I mean, I definitely trained as far as, you know, just putting a treadmill on full incline using the, uh, that air restriction mask and, uh, and working hard on that. And, uh, it definitely paid off. So I didn't feel like, I mean, obviously I've not as, you know, you, you're never going to be in, a situation where you can walk into that and do as well as you and Ryan Smalls did. I mean, you guys live it and do it all the time. And uh, of course, you're you're a fitness instructor anyway, aren't you? Is that, isn't that what you? Yeah. Something along those yeah. lines. So I mean, yeah, I, I can't to, compete. With I that. have to work out every day for a living, so that's <laughs> that's going to be a downfall yeah, for anyone so. who doesn't work out daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. You held yeah. up good. Even Tim was a little bit sluggish that last day, but he was a trooper too. Remember climbing up to get oh, that yeah. animal? He was faded, but uh, you know what? Not a complaint, not a negative comment. He was there with the camera ready to go no matter what. So couldn't have really been better. And what a nice walk out that last day. I still remember, I'm just visualizing it now, walking out that bottom and getting yep. it all loaded up. It was, it was pretty cool that that all came together so, so nicely. So, yep. Yeah, coming by those waterfalls were really yeah. pretty. Had to stop and do that. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Tim's not much of a complainer for the most part. So I was su- surprised because I kind of, I you know, prodded him along quite a bit too, you know, kind of getting under his skin <laughs> just for the fun of it. <laughs> yep. But uh, he's a good sport. 
and uh, and he did pretty good considering. But I think he wished that he would have trained maybe a little bit for it. But yeah, um, you know, he's young enough; he can he can suffer and, and be all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll I'll be honest. The you know Tom and I hunted. We were at ninety ninety five hundred feet in Wyoming uh, this past fall, and you know I didn't have to adjust to it that much, but it was. You could definitely you could definitely feel it weighing on you more the first couple of days. By the end of the week, it, I, I almost didn't even think about it anymore. Um, now, did you have that, Ryan, or was it pretty much you really didn't notice the elevation at all? No, I don't notice the elevation at all. Anytime that I've gone up in the mountains in Montana, it doesn't bother me. I remember, I remember taking little trips up with my wife, and she would be kind of feeling it. And it's just never affected me. Now, I, I previous to this, I don't think that I'd ever been to you know nine or ten thousand feet, but you know eight thousand for sure. Um, and so I was a little bit concerned. But of course, when we were up at the highest, you know, is when I was jazzed up the most because you know we were we were hot on the trail of an elk or looking at it. So <clears throat> you know that wasn't gonna slow me down any at that point in time. I'll tell you. Plus, going down there would have been really easy. You know, <laughs> it's getting up there that's hard. <laughs> if yeah. I had to get down, we'd get down quick. Well, and the thing for Tom and I, we, I know we, uh, the first day we were complete and utter noobs at this. We we carried way too much gear, even though everything we we read and listened to said don't take too much gear. <laughs> um, but I think we were between the two, we weighed our packs before we went in. I think between the two of us, we were carrying 150 pounds of gear and we went four and a half miles in. Um, wow. yeah. Whoa. So yeah, it, it, that's why I said the first couple of days I knew it. And, and here's Benji, you'll love this. So mm-hmm. we did all of our scouting remotely, um, Google earth and so forth. We get to where we were planning to hunt where we had, you know, we'd done all this cyber scouting and felt really good about um, and there is no sign. I mean, none. The The only sign we found was was months old after, you know, spending a full day um, just trying to find any active sign whatsoever. So we only had a week uh, to hunt. The next morning we broke camp and hiked that four and a half miles back out um, and, and headed to a, a backup spot we'd chosen and immediately got into animals. But... Uh, yeah, that 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 first Saturday, or I guess it was Friday. I'm trying to think now. We hiked in on Friday. We hunted Saturday. We hiked back out on Sunday and relocated. Yeah, it was oh. it was rough. That's good. Uh, good warm up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we call we call a warm up. We put on a training pack and drag something up there and get warmed up, you know, and then you start hunting after that. So. Well, and I had been doing. And and Tom, you know, Tom bought a, a stair climber. He may get mad at me for saying this, but he bought a stair climber and just would work. I don't think he, he might have gotten on it a few times. Um, I spent the entire summer doing hills in, in my neighborhood, and I've got a, a, a school. In fact, the school my daughter went to, uh, the back of the school is, is dug out for the playgrounds and so forth, so it's some really steep hills. Um, and I was doing 50 pounds on my, on my pack up and down those hills all summer long and it still wasn't enough, (laughs) uh, but anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, if you're going to invest in this kind of time and money and the tags aren't getting any cheaper, 
if you don't do the conditioning, honestly, you're probably your best opportunity will go by and you won't be able to make it to where you need to go. Because generally they're on the other side of the canyon, in the top, in the back, and then they drop off the other side. And when you get there, you'll generally want to go back to your camp. Well, you know, we're getting to be where we're just bivy experts with the goats. I mean, the goats are with us, so we get to where that elk's last was and we can't push them anymore. The wind's not right. We sleep right there and then we get right back on them in the morning. And people that don't have the goats or the ability to carry very light, ultralight stuff and you know, fast a lot or eat very few calories, just can't keep up with these animals because they're getting pushed hard now. A lot more people out there. Well, there were several times I would have paid a lot of money for a goat. (laughs) I bet. I bet. Well, at least you know who to call now. Um, Uh, Yeah, I definitely know who to call now. You you want to run with some goats? This is this is what we do, and I don't plan on letting go of them anytime soon. I got some more nung, uh, young boys coming up that are going to be good guys. So I got I'm into it here for a while. They'll be good for over a decade, I'm assuming. I know one thing that we kind of joked about was because Benji also did some like strongman stuff. I don't know if that's actually what you call it, but uh, we did a little bit of research and found a clipping from him in a in a newspaper or something. So we were. Uh, carrying a big boulder so then i felt good saying well if i ever get into an emergency or can't handle the altitude at least benji can pack me off the mountain himself (laughs) you you know that that's good in theory but that was a little while ago i haven't done that in almost six or eight years so you saw (laughs) you saw the emaciated indian uh versus the viking strongman who couldn't climb mountains you know Yep, that's it's right. Two, yeah. two, two different two body different types ca- for sure. It is. Yeah, to be good in these mountains now, I'm down to 185 and I still lift, but uh, it's not the focus, not not at the cost of being able to go day after day, you know, and up and down mountains. You got to shed the weight and extra muscle mass just eats up calories too. So, yep. Yep. No bodybuilding contests up uh, up there with the elk. It's, it's nice to be down in weight for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guarantee you that. What's That's, uh? Yeah, what were you? Uh, we were talking earlier about, um, and I don't know if you've really done much with it uh, about the whole chasing down a mountain lion on foot. Speaking of having to be in shape and and yeah. moving quick in the mountains. Yeah, Ryan mentioned this. I got to hear more about this. Well, this is just a concept I I borrowed from one of the TradQuest podcasts where they had a, a guy, and I'm not gonna remember his name right off but uh um he did walk one down he was a lion guide though so he really knew their patterns and such and wanted to try it without dogs so i've always been curious um we've done a little bit of lion hunting with a dog and done okay doing that but um the idea of not having to manage a dog and or lose a dog now with the wolves um, they end up getting picked off pretty good by the wolves if they're left treeing too long so it just sounds like a good thing. Well, um, I haven't gotten one caught up with yet. Um, and we just went through about three weeks of constant snow. So I'm just kind of letting things stabilize here. And I got some connections down in the desert south of me here where I'm going to go down and work on that and uh, jump on a track and just take a really light overnight kit and just try and do it for two or three days until I actually at least get eyes on them or it or whatever i'm you know able to catch up with here so that's that still hasn't happened yet it's been a different winter and that the snow has just hammered us all february so usually it's really good in february and march here the best times when they're uh you know hunting those wintering ranges 
And that's kind of something I've been keeping on the back burner. And it looks like we'll have good tracking snow here for a while now. So, yeah, the idea of just trying to walk one down and just progressively catch up on it <clears throat> kind of blows my mind. Just the allocation of time to do that <laughs> is yeah. beyond me. Like, I would never even consider doing that. I'd be like, nope, not interested. Not, I don't need a cat that bad. But uh, it's that adventure that you seek. For sure. Yeah, it's it's totally the adventure and it's just such a cool predator. I mean, I I just I'm this they're amazing, I think. And uh, they do really well out here. And I'd love to try and match one, you know, wit to wit and see if you could could play the game just like tracking a big old buck, you know, in uh, Maine or something or Vermont is what I did growing up a little bit in college. So it's kind of that same appeal just to see where you end up and you may sleep under a tree. You may sleep under a cliff. You may just, you know, sit by a fire until, uh, you know, you can see again and get back on the track. So we'll see. Uh, maybe that'll be a story for another adventure here. But I'm not I haven't hung it up yet. I still got about six, eight weeks to go. So yeah. walk, walk me through a little bit more about how you go about that, Benji, because, I mean, obviously, from a, a, a guy from the, the east is is not going to know really. I mean, I get the concept of what you're talking about, but I mean, OK. How, uh, I guess, how much do the animals, do, do these cats move during the day and are they constantly nomadic or, uh, I, I mean, there's just a lot of gaps there that I, I have a hard time filling in in my mind. Okay. Well, I guess the simplest way to put it is all the animals right now with this last storm um, are all down low and uh, on these south slopes. So the lions predominantly are going to be down on all these, you know, kind of distressed animals. So just to go out, even this canyon that I live in, um, which is a public canyon, uh, it's closed real early just past the farmland. And you can walk out there or snow machine or cross country ski and look for tracks crossing that road, at which point you can just throw on your snowshoes. You'll have to now because it's deep um, or skins, skis with skins on them and just try and follow that animal, you know, with a light overnight kit ability to, you know, stay warm, coat and fire and and a little food and just see where you end up. You know, if you got a few days, you will just try and run that track. Now, generally they won't go too far because all the food, all the deer and elk are on these, these, uh, South slopes again and down low. So they're not going to go up and over mountains to get away from you. They'll generally hole up and be more curious. So you have a pretty good chance of at least seeing them or catching up with them this type of year. And if they do get a deer down or an elk or you know, some sort of prey or they, they catch something, um, you'll be able to find them on that and they won't go too far. They'll just have it buried and they may go tree and, you know, they'll be in the area and then you can either hunt that, that kill site or, you know, you can track them from there, but you know, they're not hard as hard to find They're They're actually being kind of a nuisance right now in that some, uh, some grabbed a dog the other day another one's down by at the base of the ski mountain running around a guy in the gym, told me he saw it run by the dumpster this morning. So they're a little bit stressed too, and they're down in civilization. So they're not as hard to find as they would be in summer months when they're up high and with the, the game everywhere. So, Well, and I think one also grabbed a hiker a few weeks ago too. It's kind of been all the, the news mm-hmm. too. So, Yeah. It seems to me like, I guess that answers some of it to me. Like I'm just thinking it's going to be packing you up and down mountains and and out into just the middle of nowhere because i mean it's that's true wilderness country out there even even the little bit that i saw is just 
it's almost untouched. I mean, it's just it's it's just so deep in there, and we were just at the very tip of it um, for all the further we were. And of course, I just imagine a cat just going miles and miles in any direction. And it takes somebody, uh, and you're very unique like this, that you can just haul off into the mountains and not care where you go. Like you just, that's how you are. And there's not a lot of people that are like that, that they want the comfort of knowing, well, I'm going to go in so far and then hunt an animal, but to actually follow it anywhere that it wants to go without fear is, it takes a really special person. And uh, I don't know too many people that want to do it. I mean, you're really like the modern-day mountain man, really. That will just go in the mountains, and I don't care. If I'm in there two days, fine. If I'm in there two weeks, that's cool, too. Don't get me too excited. I might take off here tomorrow <laughs> after work. Just just, just finish <laughs> the podcast for you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get, get me off this computer, and I'll get, I'll, I'll get you a lion track here before tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, well, thanks. Yeah, I'm trying. You know, I wasn't raised this way. I was born in California in the city. I've just never liked too much of the population and being around too much noise and all that. And honestly, I just get happier and feel better and more at peace the farther and deeper I go and the more adventure that we can find. And I think that's the attraction for me to track and, you know, a lion or, you know, running a, you know, trying to find a bear this spring and stuff is just the country that we're going to be in is like you said, it's untouched. It's beautiful. And around every corner is just another awe inspiring sight. So, uh, these predators and these other game animals we chase, at least around here, just get us into that country. And I can't get enough of it out here. I'm just dying to go. I'm off tomorrow. So hopefully get out for a good trek this weekend. So that's good. And you're doing, like I said, you're doing bears this week there this, uh, spring too, right? So you've got, uh, what an opportunity uh like you said <clears throat> i got something in my throat here yeah. um you got an opportunity to go with you said uh with your outfitter that you're working for with kind of into an area that nobody else can get into except for on foot right you said about five miles or so in yeah that's just to the bottom of the hill like you know how you were our camp with you was at the bottom of the hill that gets us yeah. to the bottom of the hill. Then we got to go up this cow's face, we call it. You know, it's probably, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours, depending on conditioning, to the top of that mountain. And that's where we're going to have water and, and our best viewing um, to glass uh, 360 degrees into just straight up wilderness. Nobody around, you know, uh, there's not a track on these trails out there. And we're going to be looking for bears real hard from up there and basically the way we hunt them is we stay up high and we glass till we see them and then this is where the goats are awesome they may be miles away when we see them they're not going to go too far but we'll load up the goats bring a quick you know overnight kit and we will run them down if you will down the hill down to the bottom tie up the goats and then head up and put a stock on and know that we can just sleep just below our stock or if we get the bear we can just you know have the goats to pack it from anywhere so you're just very free in that regard and, and not tied to a wall tent and only in one drainage or anything. We can go wherever we find game and wherever we want to go hunt. So it's going to be a cool bear hunt, and this will be the first year of it, so I'm kind of reconning it. But I did see two bears in there the first day I went in last year, and I only had one day in there last year. And, and then I proposed this new uh, bear hunting model to the outfitter, and he jumped on it, and I'm going to start pushing it starting this year. and for sure 2020 will be taken 
you know, it should be full blown. Uh, trips May and June should be the best. Mid May to mid June will be ideal because it takes a while to thaw out in there. So we can't get in there too early. I mean, that sounds like a heck of an adventure. I mean, anybody that's going to go do that's probably going to have to be in in pretty darn good shape. You're not going to get your uh, your normal weekend warrior that just goes sits in a no. in a box blind on a green field. He's probably not going to be able to handle that, is he? <laughs> No, and this is different from uh, a northern Idaho, you know, ride the logging road in on a four-wheeler and sit a, a bait pile type of hunt and come and have a nice, you know, five-star meal. It'll be it'll be in the woods. It'll be a true wilderness experience. It'll be peaceful and no lights. Uh, you won't see any civilization out there. But you know what? There are going to be some untouched uh, bears and some – it's beautiful green country with tons of elk and, and you know, lots of – Lots of water flowing. It was just amazing out there, morels. So, you know, it'll be fun to really get into it this year and see what we can do with it for the following year. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. I mean, you know, and, and we talked about that once before, too, that you don't remember the stuff that was easy. Like, the, 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 the most difficult adventures are the ones that make the best memories. So if you don't work for it, it's, it's never going to stand out as one of your favorite, you know, all time life moments. Yeah. And so a hunt like that is just, I mean, yeah, it's almost like an investment while you're there. It's, it's kind of going to suck, you know, but it's, it's the adventure of a lifetime to be able to do something like that. But of course, I mean, this is, you know, your life. <laughs> so it's not the adventure of a lifetime <laughs> for you per se. It's just the adventure of your life. But for yeah. most people, you know, even like me, I mean, I'm sure I'll do a couple things like that in my life but uh you know just to go even experience what i experienced on the elk hunt was you know that's to me isn't a the adventure of a lifetime well yeah i'm with you and and i wouldn't still be doing it if it was just a job you know the the gym is now more of a job and that's fine it's good i love staying in shape and helping people with that but the adventure lies in the woods and the unknown lies out there and every time i go out there it's you know, what we all experience as outdoorsmen, it's, you know, it's energizing and new and it's fun to sleep on the ground and see how you do and, and just take all those tests and then sum up those tests to an experience. And sometimes you get an animal and sometimes you don't, but you always learn something. So. Oh yeah. And I mean, even the, even the sleeping at night, having to sleep on kind of, I mean, there's very little flat ground at all. So you find something that resembles flat and, (laughs) uh, and you know, which way, by morning or even let's say an hour after you go to bed, you know which way is down because you're stuffed in your sleeping bag into a wad at the bottom because you've slid down into it at night. <laughs> and I remember doing that just like, you know, I I strung a, uh, a rope up between two trees and basically hung a tarp on it to keep the, the dew or any, you know, rain or snow or whatever from falling on me and then try to sleep under it and then you wake up the next morning and you're you know three feet down and out of it because you just slid progressively through the night but that's all mm-hmm. part of it. you know and sleeping in that situation is not really a lot of fun um but i look at it now like man you know that's you know again to use the word adventure but that's really what it is it's it makes yeah. great memories you know i yeah. i get that i know benji gets that but i'm pretty sure the uh uh, Hunt Idaho is not going to be calling you to give their promo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as many out-of-state hunters as I saw this year, I don't think anyone's getting the memo that uh, this is hard work. 
because <laughs> uh, there's tons of people in these bottoms in these camps down and low. But you know what? I walk for an hour or two or three or five. And you know what? I don't see a, a soul or a boot track. And I don't know where these guys are hunting, but I don't know if they know that most of the game's more than about 20 minutes up the trail, you know. And, you know, so a couple things there, uh, Benji and Ryan both. So to me... And and look, I'm I think I'm the well I'm almost positive I'm the I'm the old man in this conversation here. But uh, you know that hunting hunting and I've hunting Wyoming twice. This was the first year we did the backcountry thing, and honestly, the experience wouldn't be the same without all that to me. And yeah. you know, and I, I'm I'm semi serious about possibly thinking about you know if one of us does draw a, an elk tag, you know probably looking at at goats or some some form of pack animal to get back in there but um you know we hunted that area that we hunted that we hiked in so far for we had it to ourselves i I mean and i I really still don't understand why there you know there wasn't any game there but that's that's part of it to me and i just wonder how many how many guys you know just uh either let their let their Maybe they don't want that, that experience, or do they just let the the thought of it get the better of them, and they're they're too afraid to try it? Because I mean, it was work, but it was man, we had so much fun. I mean, it was it was just an absolute. I can't wait to go back. I know. Um, I'm 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 with you. I love the work. I love getting lost out there, and you know, I don't know if they if they just they just aren't in shape, or they don't know how to go light enough to make it enjoyable. But again, the pack animals for me allow you to have that comfort, have a good ground pad if that's what you need, have good meals. You know, I try not to eat. We didn't eat any freeze-dried meals. You know, I don't do that anymore. I eat real, you know, elk. We had elk steaks. We had real food every meal, real bread Tim made, you know, or whatever we were eating, you know. that. And you just feel better when you can live like that and sustain yourself in that country instead of just eating, you know, little mousy granola bars and, you know, basically starving to death off empty carbs so well and i have to give kudos to to tom on that he's uh um and and i should preface this tom tom's a a diabetic um and it's a it's a it's not from you know it's not from his his eating habits he and i'm not going to go into it's his it's his personal thing but i'm not going to go into that but anyway he he put together all of the food for us and you know, it packed well. He he actually took you know he dehydrated some some meats himself, and um, we had I mean we had we had really good food at night. You know everything from you know shrimp and and potatoes and and uh, we had chicken. I mean we had all kinds of stuff, and it wasn't any of these mountain house. I think we yeah. I think he brought one, and it well I don't believe it was mountain house. It was some other. It was like a chicken and dumpling soup or something like that that he brought that we just had to you know add water to it it was it, it was really good but the the yeah. prepackaged meals that that he actually put together himself was much better than that stuff to me well yeah and i'm i think that's part of enjoying that experience if you're not going to try and per se live off the land and you know shoot grouse we've done that before where we just try and shoot grouse and eat what we find and that's a different experience then there's the ultralight backpacking food model which seems kind of like a lot of waste to me now having done this for 20 or 30 years um i like to bring like we, ryan had we had real food i i brought way more sardines than i think he wanted to eat but you know i'll bring cans of sardines and you know real real dried jerky from elk and you know cheese and stuff we'll eat real calories while we're out there and uh lots of nuts and 
real healthy foods and have a great dinner. But uh, I think if you're going to hunt hard and go as hard as you can, that's a huge advantage. And I think it's possibly, besides sleeping, the biggest advantage is eating clean food and staying hydrated and getting those electrolytes. And that's kind of what I end up spending most of the time with my clients on pre-trip. Um, and then during our trip as I'm, you know, I had to drop off 2000 feet at lunch one day cause these guys ran out of water and we were on them hard this year. And I just took the goats and said, you guys just take a rest an hour and a half. I'll drop down to the Creek with the goats. And I brought up, you know, 20 liters of water on my six goats. And we, we got to stay in the elk for two more days without dropping off the top of the mountain. And one of the guys did get a five by five because we stayed at 9,000 feet with no water until we had an opportunity and the wind was right. And that's what created that situation. So, um, you know, it comes down to those simple needs, water, food, fire, being able to stay sharp and be ready and be semi-comfortable, I guess, is uh, important too in in the high country well and we didn't have some of those situations because we went early season so we were you mm. know, we basically went out for this season opener um and honestly the whole grouse thing was something i really wanted to do and we didn't we didn't do our research well enough we got out there and found out that we were we were ahead of grouse season so we couldn't hunt them and of course on the way in two of the biggest grouse you've ever seen in your life mm. just daring us uh and anyway so yeah well, I was hoping Ryan would atlatl one for us, you know. I had one of his, his my first atlatl uh, he got me into, obviously made me a custom one, and I still got three darts or whatever. And, you know, it's legal to atlatl grouse and fish here in Idaho. It's uh, totally in the regs. So I was hoping he would, you know, come show up with my old atlatl or the one he made me and, and smash a grouse for us for dinner while Ryan Smalls and I were still elk hunting. <laughs> Yeah, and we only even saw one grouse the whole time we were out there, so they just weren't in that one spot. No, they weren't. They move around quite a bit, so. Yeah, but going kind of back to, you know, that some people don't want or they don't get in there really far, and you know what I think it really is is the fear of the unknown because a lot of folks really come from the east. They don't, they're not accustomed to having mountains that you can really get lost in, and it's a new territory, and I think people are afraid that if they get off the beaten path, they're not going to be able to find their way back. And you know, and I think they work themselves up into it more than anything. And so they, I don't think they want to go more than say one mountain across from where they absolutely know where they're at. And mm-hmm. and of course, I probably would have been a little bit more trepidatious about that myself had I not lived in Montana and had a little bit of experience under my belt about being a few mountains over and being comfortable doing that. And, uh, and even so, you know, when we were all the way up on the top and kind of around the other side, I started to get this feeling of, I don't know where I'm at. Like I know if, if I would have, if I walked my trail through the snow out, I knew that there was no question to that, but I also knew that that was the long way. And was I willing to just bail off the side of the mountain into the unknown in hopes that I knew where I was going? And I wasn't quite to that point. And I think it's even even here in Florida, I've done that where I'm like, oh, I know where I'm going. And I'll get down into a swamp and pop out somewhere and have no clue where I'm at. And then hit like a road and then somehow convince myself that I'm going the wrong way and go the other way on it and then end up lost. And of course, when I did that, I was in high school. So, I mean, we don't exactly make good decisions then, but I I found myself lost in Florida for half of a day (laughs) until I finally figured out where I was. 
and uh, and that took me a little while to get over. But I think I think that that's probably what it boils down to for a lot of people is they they want that comfort of I I want to be able to come back to my camp at night that's already set up and have all all the little things that make me happy, which is which is important. Um, but they're not willing to really bring that camp in. I think mm-hmm. they always want to know that, hey, I'm so far from camp, and when I'm at camp, I'm only so far from the truck. And mm-hmm. even even then, you can boil that down further, where some people, they don't even want to drive in as far as they want to because they don't want to be that far down the road. Yeah, I mean, you see that on public land everywhere that you go, that there's some people that have such, you know, really small amounts of experience in the woods that... I think they're actually afraid to go more than one or two roads down just because it's that far off the paved road and they're not used to that. And uh, so I actually think that I think fear is what keeps the vast majority of people out of being more than 30, 40, you know, 50 minutes down the trail. Yeah. You said it. Comfort is a big part of this. And we live in very comfortable times compared to our ancestors. And I just don't think many people like being uncomfortable. Um, those of us that do, we're thriving. We, we like it. And that's why we're all doing what we do. But I think the general population as a whole doesn't want to get uncomfortable. And they do like all their amenities uh, at the cost of maybe not you know, exploring and, and getting to see the real backcountry and a lot of that. But I think people are starting to get out there a little more around here. It's it's getting tougher to totally get lost. But well, and, and you know, that that's a good point that, that Ryan brought up, too. And I think it's it goes back to you hear so many people talk about just the, the lost woodsmanship skills mm-hmm. um, and and I agree with you, Ryan. I think a lot of it is because they're just they're so apprehensive. They're and look, you know, I think you have to look at it from a, a human perspective as well. Most of the people are, you know, they've got families, they've got jobs, they've got a lot of responsibilities, and it is is so far out of their comfort zone. They have to think about all the people that depend upon them. So I think that's 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 just reality. But at the same time, you watch a lot of people, and they're just so. They're so unaware. There's just been so much focus over the last 10 years on the kill instead of the instead of the hunt that, you know, they're 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 so focused on their equipment and um, the the methods. And they here I'll put it my perspective. I actually found navigating without my GPS and even without a compass at times easier in Wyoming at 9,500 feet than I do in my home state because I could always pick out a landmark that there was some way I could always find that landmark and know how to navigate. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't have that here. You you know, you get out in the mountains here, and you're lucky if you – I mean, you have to get to the highest peak to see over the next – and it just wasn't that way out west. You could always find – you know, this big butte, or you could find a, a, a rock face that you recognized. I mean, it was just always something that you could find that you could quickly orient yourself, orientate yourself if you were paying attention. But a lot of people, they don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. And that's how they get lost. That's how they get in trouble. And that's where that, that fear comes in because I just don't, they're just not comfortable with it. Yeah, we're just going to set camp mm-hmm. up by this pine tree. <laughs> right. <laughs> Look for the big pine tree. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh yeah, 
And uh, I tell you what, is something I was thinking about quite a, a little bit ago in the conversation about how uh, you know a, a big adventure like this really sticks with you and, and means means so much. Like you know when you have to really work hard for it or, or kind of suffer through it, that the hunt you know ultimately becomes more important than the kill in general. And it made me immediately think you know back you know to this recent you know atlatl bison hunt. In which I still have, I look at, you know, and I, I do the taxidermy myself, and I actually have the, the bison head up on the wall drying right now, and it's right next to the elk. But the elk is front and center, you know, and it was a nice, <laughs> you know, public land 5x5 five five bull. And the bison represents a culmination of all of these these atlatl skills that have kind of come together and, you know... It's, it's being proficient with an atlatl and being to, to engineer something that you can spear into it. But I, I, as much as that represents something really important to me, the elk just trumps it. And I think it's because it's, it's almost impossible to think that, hey, I can go to Idaho on public land up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere and have this opportunity on an animal and then you come home with one. And it still blows my mind. And of course, I value that way more. Like to me, that's like right on the right at the top. So it's it's the elk experience, um, and then the bison just for you know what it really represents. And it represents so so much more than just a hunt because that's not what it was at all. It's 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 so much more than that, which I won't even get into here. Uh, we may have on the last one, um, and then actually the the uh, the pig that I took with the atlatl the very first one because it was such like a monumental goal um, but it's those things that uh, I guess when you have to work extra hard for it but you also know that it's almost unobtainable yet you somehow do it that that's those are the ones that you look back on forever and those are the you know the hunts of a lifetime yeah I I can't agree with you more that's really well put and I'm just stoked that I got to be a part of that one. And, and that's going to be in your forever chest for, for uh, the duration, man. Cause that was, that was well put and that was a great adventure, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's going to be so hard to beat. I don't know that I, that I'm ever going to be able to, cause go into that and you just assume that this is, this is impossible really. Like we, we went out for the adventure and we said, we're going to do a video even if we don't kill one, but you can watch so many people that do videos of going and hunting public land for elk and then they hear bugling and they may see one but nobody ever gets one you never watch a video you know that somebody takes primitive gear out and shoots one you know and here we get an arrow in one the first night and it's just it's just meant meant to be really is what it was and but i mean how am i ever going to beat that i mean that's that's almost impossible but uh yeah, I don't know. You never know if I make it out and do a bear hunt with you. We might, we yeah. might be in the same boat. I don't think I'll be able to do it this year, but uh, um, yeah. in the future years, you know, that's that's still kind of on the list to do before I get too old and sorry myself to do it. I'm the youngest one here, but I feel like I'm getting really old because I, I keep beating myself up really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, on your list of undoable, unthinkable things, one of that has spoke to me since I've met you and since we've tried to challenge ourselves in different ways is I don't think a person has killed a sheep in Idaho with uh, traditional slash primitive gear since the sheep eater Indians. If, if I just take a stab at it and, and I haven't drawn a tag yet, but I'm 
dang set on using a you know a little sinew back shorty and maybe one of your points probably because mine suck really um but homemade arrow with with a friend's stone point i think i'd like to replicate a sheep eater sheep hunt and if i got to live in there with my goats for six weeks uh i think it would be cool to try and reenact that so that's kind of what you know uh what you've kind of helped me push myself to do and you know, I remember talking to you about just building bows. I didn't know how to build bows a few years ago. And now I got six sitting on my rack. I'm working on two sinews and four other ones. And they're all awesome. And they're all fun to work on. So I think we got to just keep pushing ourselves and trying to do the unthinkable and keep amazing ourselves, or at least surprising the hell out of ourselves, and not being complacent. Right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's what I think it is all about is continuing to set the bar higher and higher. I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I would be, you know, going and doing the things that I am now, I would have never, ever believed it. But, <laughs> you know, you have to be goal oriented for sure. I mean, you could accomplish one thing and you don't say, cool, I did it. Now you're like, what can I do that's even bigger? And, uh, you know, after a while, that, that starts getting hard to do. <laughs> but uh, they get they get really expensive after that, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the sheep one would be almost unattainable for anyone else, else, you know, just drawing the tag. But it's totally affordable in my state for me. And, of course, with the kid coming this spring, uh, I'll probably draw the tag. You know, my wife's guaranteed I'm going to have a sheep tag in my pocket with, a you know, a new kid around the house. So I I should be able to sheep on, I think, pretty much all this fall. Huh. Well, good. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. So, yeah. Yeah. Benji, you kind of opened the door on that. I was sitting here waiting for a, a moment to get it in because, you know, uh, Ryan went down the the path of, of why people are apprehensive. I added mm-hmm. to that. And with with my statements, I was actually sitting here thinking because Ryan had told me that you're you're a soon to be father. Congratulations. Hey, thank um, you. How how does that does that change anything for you with regards to doing the things that you do well of course i mean change is inevitable and uh you know adaptation's the key that goes with change i think right it's realizing your responsibilities and then we have a good relationship here my wife and i and a partnership um and she realizes how important my sanity in the woods and these adventures are so there'll be some you know learning i'm sure going on i'm not you know saying I'm going to get in as much as I wanted to in the old days. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what we can get this child into at an early age. I'm kind of curious once we get through the first, you know, chunk of change here and throw that pack on and start roaming with the goats. I'm, I'm foreseeing by this summer fall, hopefully, you know, carrying the young one out into some, some woods and, and doing some, some dirt time and some woods out there and getting them used to it, you know, and we'll see how it goes. I guess that'll be another, another chat down the road as I have no kids and this will be a first. So I'm going to try and try and figure it out and try and do a little different stuff than some of my friends and try and see what I can get this uh, child into. And if it means I got to do a little more observing and more scouting and more adapting and I'll adapt uh, accordingly, you know. Well, and I, I will, I will put in a, a standing request now that you know, <laughs> a, a year from now, I actually would like to have you back on and have that discussion. I think it would be, okay. I think it'd be beneficial for a lot of people to hear some of that. Hey, you know what? I'd love to share it because honestly, uh, you know, I kind of learned by doing. You know, Ryan taught me how to build bows by telling me to remove all the wood that isn't a bow, and so I thank him for that. 
Um, you know, it's so simple. It's just you got to start removing wood. And, and I think a lot of things in life, raising kids or having relationships, you just got to jump in and start figuring it out. So we by no means have a perfect plan or uh, a model to go by other than just take it day by day and try and be in the woods as much as possible. And, and uh, you know, we'll see see where we are in a year. I think getting getting uh, I think getting an early start is definitely a good uh, a good idea. You know, if you kind of want to be able to continue to do that stuff. I know, oddly enough, my oldest is not super into the outdoors, and oddly enough, you know, because he was born and lived the first year of his life off grid in in Montana, <laughs> in the mountains. So he should be. But of course, after that, we came back down here. And, and he really wasn't exposed to it. You know, we don't have the, the wilderness per se. You know, we've got woods and stuff, but it's nothing that I really felt the need of wanting to pack a kid out with all the ticks and chiggers and mosquitoes and the mess. And he's gone out with me a few times. I shot a pig one time. He helped me uh, blood trail because he was supposed to be in preschool. And I was like, nah, you're, you know, we're not going there today. We're going to go look for a pig instead. You know, that was a difficult situation. He had a a ton of fun for about 10 minutes and then after that it was like i just want to go you know run you know run over here and do this and i'm like well you know we got to stay on the blood and, and do that but outside of that you know he's not been real adventurous you know but then my youngest one he's he's already like into it like anything that i'm doing outside he wants involved when i bring an animal home of course you know i bring an animal home they both come running they want to see what i am going on about but the little one he won't let it he won't let it go i mean he's going to be the hunter for sure and and actually the oldest one now he's eight and he's just starting to show some interest in uh, in uh, shooting his bow a little bit more now and he was outside i got him practicing throwing or casting a fishing rod in the backyard just put a bobber on the end of a string for or on the end of the line for weight and just let him figure it out he's one of them kids you can't you can show him how to do it but if he can't learn it on his own, he's not going to do it. And uh, and I actually feel like I kind of failed him a little bit in that regard because I was like, you know, here I'm trying to teach you how to do it, and you're not, you're not doing it right. Um, but ever since then, I've just let him go, and it's kind of the same thing with the bow now. I'm like, here's a bow, here's an arrow, here's how it looks, shoot however you want. And oddly enough, he's got um, <laughs> this wonderful little thing where he's right-handed, but he's left-eye dominant. So I don't know how to tell him to shoot. And... I'm not one to ever force somebody to shoot a certain way because I'm not like an advocate for forearm archery. Anybody that follows me, they'll always say that, oh, you know, Ryan Gill shoots stupid. And it's like, well, maybe I kind of do, but I I, uh, I kill a lot of stuff doing it stupid, I guess. And uh, so I let him, and I was watching him, and he's holding the bow, you know, shooting right-handed, you know, holding the bow with his left hand. And most people would draw back to, you know, towards the corner of their mouth on the right side of their face and he's actually drawing it back to the left side with so across his face so he can look down the arrow with his mm. dominant eye and i'm just letting him do it because if that's the way that's comfortable for him to shoot he'll have the most fun and uh but yeah so Expl I guess explain that again <laughs> i gotta get my head around that yeah well basically if you if since he's left eye dominant, he's you know looking down the shaft really with his left eye, not his right eye, and so if he's holding, but he doesn't want to shoot left handed. So if he puts the the bow in his right hand and pulls the string back with his left hand, 
that doesn't feel natural to him. He doesn't like that. So he does everything right-handed. So he still wants to shoot right-handed, hold the bow in your left hand, pull the string with your right hand. But he doesn't – and when he cants the bow to keep the arrow on, he doesn't pull it to the right side of his face. He actually kind of pulls it in front of him to the to the left side of his face so he can look down the arrow with his left eye. And when he started doing that, he started hitting stuff. You know, he, he was finally able to hit a can – you know, and then I was thrilled because before he was shooting way off to the side, you know, because he was right. He's looking with it at it differently, you know, at it, you know, from an eye that's not dominant. But when he started just doing it himself, he was able to hit. And I'm like, well, I don't care how he shoots so long as he sends the arrow that way. I mean, I can, I don't care if he draws 18 or 20 inches to that side of his face, whatever he's got to do. I'll, you know, as he gets older, I'll build him a bow or teach him to build a bow that'll fit him to shoot that style. I mean, because I don't shoot with form archery, so it's nothing for me to build a bow to fit me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, to think about watching somebody shoot and they pull to the other side of their face, you know, in front of their face, it's, it's awkward to me, but, you know, that's what works for him. And, uh, you know, I guess in, in, uh, all kind of where we, I guess, kind of ran down a rabbit hole on that. But as far as Benji getting out and taking his his little one out into the wilderness and exposing them to all that stuff, I I, I guess kind of roundabouted into that, that I kind of wish that I had gotten my son into that more. And instead of trying to force him to shoot a certain way when he was four years old, I should have just let him go, you know. So I've kind of learned a lot from him um, in doing that, which that, that may have come off as parenting advice, which it wasn't meant to be, but <laughs> no, no, it, it, it did come across, but in a good way, which is, yeah. you know, like, you know, everyone tries to help me and say, Hey, you might end up with a kid that doesn't like the outdoors. Well, that's okay. I'm not saying they're mm-hmm. going to be like me or their mother or whatever, or the guy next door. The key is just being a good, you know, parent. Like you just said, you, you've learned to be by letting them find their own way. I'm going to show them or this child uh, some ways to do things and have opportunities that, you know, maybe I didn't have growing up. But at at the end of the day, they're going to take it their own way, as you just said. And Mm -hmm. as long as they're having fun doing whatever they're doing, whether it's, you know, 4-H or riding dirt bikes or, you know, singing in the choir or whatever they want to do, I'm, you know, I'm going to be in the woods. I know that there'll be a, a stage of their life where that's part of being with me. But ultimately they're going to have to decide if that's for them. And I'm not going to make anyone do something they're not into. So, and, and you just opened the door for another question there, Benji. So, um, yeah. you know, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, who were your, who were your mentors growing up and, and, uh, or, or I guess I should say, did you have mentors growing up as far as the outdoors or was that something that came later in life? Well, my dad was, as we grew up in California, he was instrumental in just getting us out of the city. I mean, he was a bass fisherman, so we had a bass boat and he would fish tournaments, but we would go on the boat with him every weekend, Friday night through Sunday, and he'd drop us off on shore and we'd just do exploring, you know. We would hike around, you know, building stuff, caves and forts and, you know, as kids do, and we just loved it, me and my brother. Um, and then we'd get on the boat and fish with him off the back while he was doing his full day on the tournament. And that's kind of how we grew up. A lot of the, the years we weren't in sports was on the bass boat. So we spent a lot of time on the California, Southern California lakes and crawling around those hills. And, you know, once we got a taste of Idaho when I was 10, 
Um, I was the big leader, I think, in the family as I uh, got us all together and said, hey, let's move up there. You know, I'm I'm tired of driving around in the cities and trying to get to the woods and, you know, let's just go up there. And he said, hey, you're not going to have all your friends. And I said, you know what? That's OK. I'll make new friends in the woods. And we moved up and I was only Ghost. 10. Ghost. Yep. And, and you know what? I've never had a bad day since I got up here. And that was, you know, 34 years ago. And luckily his job was able to, you know, be in commercial real estate. He was kind of at a management point. So he moved us up here and, you know, we've been, you know, skiing, snowboarding and doing everything we do in the hills since. And, uh, yeah, my brother uh, and I and sister had a great, great childhood because my dad and mom were able to listen to us and realize that maybe wasn't the best thing for us living down there in Southern California. So real grateful for that. Very interesting. Well, and and sounds like you've got a uh, a good a good background for for the little one that's on the way. So that's yeah. that's really Thank cool. Thank you. I hope so. We'll we'll give it a shot, and yeah, it'll be an adventure just like any of us have been on, right? Just a little different style. And that's you're going you're going to find a lot of you're going to find a lot of that. I'm so I've got <laughs> I've got three kids. Yeah. Okay. Three three. Well, I mean, it's just you're going to find a lot of a, a lot of different adventures than what you're used to. They just and they'll 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 kind of hit you and surprise you from the from the directions that they come from. So. Yep, uh, I, I would. I'll second that. Good. I, that sounds that sounds intriguing. I do see a lot of people around in my line of work that have made it, you know, into their forties and fifties, and they're doing the same routine they've been doing for thirty years. And you know what? I'd rather be challenged and and live a little more adventurous life, even you know that way, than be doing the exact same thing for another ten or twenty years, except for the adventuring in the woods part. But. You know, I'm I'm definitely excited to try some new stuff and maybe get my butt handed to me a little bit here and learning some stuff. But uh, it'll be good. Well, I don't know you you'll get your 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 butt handed to you, but that that'll probably depend. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, mm-hmm. if you if you if you get a boy, um, that's that's one direction. If you're lucky like me and you end up with three girls, you're going to have a whole lot of adventures you're not prepared for. So, uh, I, <laughs> Yep, you you win. You're in my brother's boat. He's got three girls and he's getting it handed to him. But man, he's a trooper. Yeah, my, my youngest daughter, uh, and I, I brag about her on here probably more than people want to hear about, but she... Uh, <laughs> She's about to graduate high school, so she's she's my youngest. She's going to be going off to college here very soon, and I couldn't I couldn't be more proud of her. But I can tell you, there's to this day, there's still things that that go down in this house that I just, uh, yeah, adventure. I might be putting it mildly, um, but yeah, you. We'll see. We'll see. And I'm guessing you don't know at this point if it's a boy or girl. We don't. We're uh, surprise freaks. We like the unknown. So oh, we'll find boy. out here. We're in under a month or around a month. So we'll find out when it when I catch or the catcher's mitt comes out. Yeah, that's crazy. I can't. I can't imagine the uh, having the ability to know and not wanting to know. I just can't do it. Can't do it. I'm not that adventurous. I gotta know. <laughs> that's what that's what makes us all great. You know, we're all unique and we all got our little things. So yeah, we me and the missus both agreed we didn't want to know till we saw. So here yeah. we are. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be finding out soon enough, so for the next X amount of decades. Yep. 
and a month sure. ago. So obviously you were, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe I don't know, maybe maybe you maybe this came in subconsciously. You were planning, or maybe not. But you know, so my my youngest daughter, I obviously didn't learn anything because she was born no, November fourteenth. So um, I haven't seen a I haven't seen a rut in quite a few years <laughs> for birthday oh, parties. No. <laughs> Well, and you I'm know kidding. What? This, I'm kidding. I do still I get know. out there, but but yeah, I didn't do the math. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of optimistically optimistic. Keyword here, thinking you know Nebraska Turkey opens in archery uh, for archery, you no know, uh, March 25th. So I'm hoping you know this might be around that time, and maybe somebody will want to join me. You know, if not the whole family for a little, you know, spring break in Nebraska every year, you know, for some gobblers. Right. We'll we'll see if that backfires in my face. But uh, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that would be a nice birthday way to get out there and chase some birds around. But I might be reaching. There. All, all I'll say is good plan, Benji. Good, good plan. Good plan. <laughs> yep. That means that means I better be ready to adapt. I would I would say have a backup in your pocket. Yeah, I, I, I pretty I pretty much do. That that would surprise me if that worked out. Yeah, if it's a if it's a boy, you might have that. If it's a girl, you might have to go to the mall that day or something instead. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, you well, might be you might be having you might be having tea parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well this will be interesting to if you get uh, the flip side of this in a year or two. I can give you some. Man, I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> Talks, you guys might have the better end of this deal at some point. Well, I'm, I'm, well, we'll just wait and see what you have, and then we'll see how fun that conversation is going to be. Okay. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys are. I'm hoping this doesn't come through, but I'm going to mention it just in case it does come through the audio. I am getting blasted by a thunderstorm right now. I mean, it's shaking my whole house. Huh, so. I can't hear it at all. Okay. Oh. The mic may not pick it up, and I am my my where I records in the basement of my house. But I mean, I'm feeling I can feel my desk vibrating from the thunder. It's, it's wow, huh. so. those are the best nights to sleep outside. I'd go test it out. Oh, I don't. I can't stand that. I hate storms. <laughs> you know that, it, and honestly, I've actually stayed out multiple times. And I can tell a couple of stories. In fact, in Wyoming uh, this this past year, we. So we were we were typically hunting in the morning. We were hunting hard in the afternoons, and a lot of times in midday, we were trout fishing. We we you know we'd hit streams and we'd trout fish some, and uh, we had, we had, we were fishing this one day, and we saw the cloud coming and decided you know we ought to head for shelter. And I've got video that I took on my phone. Uh, it was I mean I've got video of ice sliding down the the teepee we were in it was it was sleeting so or hailing at that point it was pea-sized hail covered the ground turned white um and you know we we didn't have a choice we (laughs) that was the shelter we had uh Mm -hmm. and many years ago uh another time i was out and this was in the you really could call it backcountry it's in north carolina um me and some guys were up doing some trout fishing way up on top of a mountain and a storm came through that night. I was in an eight-man uh, dome tent, and I had my my uh, sleeping pad set up right in the middle of the tent, had it all to myself. And there were multiple times during the night that I woke up, and I could take my hand and reach up and touch the top of that tent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I could, I mean, it, you're talking about a tent that's six foot tall, and it was the the wind coming down the top over the top of that mountain was just pressing it down. And later when I got back home and, and was going to set the tent up to dry it out, as I pulled everything out, I realized that all of the, uh, all of the tent poles were just shattered. If you, if you bent them, they were, they were still bending, but it was like fibers instead of a solid pole. Uh, huh. It was, that was probably the roughest night I ever spent in a tent. But some tells me yeah. Benji's not even spending in a, in a tent. He's finding a cave to crawl into or something. I'm yeah. trying, you know, I'm adapting more and more to carrying less. I mean, I almost feel like I do the goats and injustice because they can carry so much stuff and I absolutely don't need that much stuff anymore, you know? Um, so yeah, as this goes, I'm trying to learn how to trap and, you know, and, and use more of the food that's out there. And then I fast a lot and, uh, you know, just trying to get more minimal, more minimal, more minimal. It seems like most of the population needs more. I'm going to try and do with less. That's kind of something I've been practicing the last little bit here. So yeah, we're, we're trying to go out and me and the Bruce, my dog, we went out and went on a chucker hunt and we just took nothing, just a backpack and a took one sleeping bag and we chucker hunted all day and slept under a rock and had a nice pigeon for dinner we shot that day and then hunted the whole next day and came out basically fasted on some water cress and you know those are kind of the little adventures i'm into now is is not having all those comforts but just seeing where it it takes us so yeah sleeping and maybe getting wet and crawling under some trees sleeping on the ground as ryan did when he was in idaho it's pretty nice you know oh yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> you're excited to get home to your bed but it was nice nice enough for a couple of nights anyway right? I, was, yeah. I was getting ready to say that didn't sound very convincing ryan no no in fact the uh the as every year that goes by the more i enjoy my comforts so i feel like i've i've done a fair amount of <laughs> of suffering in the years past and now i i enjoy having somewhere nice to sleep at, at night but uh I think I've just had so many bad night sleeps. And you know what, too? What may change is, is having the kid mm-hmm. because I don't get to sleep near as well. And, of course, my kids are older, but still, it's not like I get to have, like, a Saturday or Sunday to sleep in. Like, that doesn't exist. Like, the kids are up early. You know, it, it could be Sunday, and they'll just, for whatever reason, I'm up at 6 o'clock. But like, come on, man. Just, just cut me a little bit of slack, you know? And... And they're old enough now that they can actually, like, go out and do their own thing. Of course, the youngest one can't. You know, he needs juice and and what all to get started. But the oldest one can do his thing. But it doesn't doesn't matter how how hard you shame him. Uh, He he refuses to use his everybody is still sleeping voice. So he (laughs) runs up and down the stairs and then he's he'll watch his tablet or, you know, or TV or something until we get up. But then he likes to give nobody that's listening play by play. So it wakes the whole house up, you know, so what he's doing. So I think that's where it's at now. Ever since having kids, I, I really enjoy that good night's sleep. <laughs> okay. So there was another good indirect lesson I heard, which is enjoy my last month of good night's sleep unless I'm in the woods under a tree in the dirt. Then I'll sleep good again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the okay. dirt. Yeah, being in the dirt, being wet, cold, yep. that might be better than, than having to wake up to uh, a kid that needs fed, you know. At- well. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is going to be – you guys are going to have some questions for me down the road here, it sounds like. I'm going to give you the, 
the real deal too. I'm I'm not good at lying or bending it, so it'll be the straight truth. Yeah. If well, I'm not sleeping, you'll know. Well, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about various things, and I have to ask Ryan, how old are your kids, Ryan? Eight and three. Oh God, you don't have you. Yeah, you still got a lot to go yourself. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Both boys. You, yeah, both boys. Oh yeah. well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they they should kind of get easier from here on out until I have to bail them out of jail or who knows what all, you know, getting into mischief. But uh, oh. one thing, shoot, what was I just going to say? It was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to tell about Benji, you know, that he's, you know, he fasts and, and I know that he's real into, you know, good, healthy food, organic stuff and whatnot like that. I'll tell you what, one of the things I, I put on a lot of weight with the first kid and it's because when they wake up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, Kelly was the one that, that fed him, but I felt bad, you know, that she was the only one that was awake, you know, so I was like, I'm going to suffer with her, you know, so I would get up and try to stay awake. Well, when the kid's eating, I was like, I'm going to have a snack too, and that helped keep me up. So next thing you know, I was eating little Debbie's at two o'clock in the morning, and uh, and I put on a whole bunch of weight, and I just, and it, I just never even noticed and uh, until till we got back, you know, I never had like a real good, like real mirror. I didn't see what my body looked like for a long time, you know, because we lived in the mountains. <laughs> so just be careful when the kid gets up and has to eat two or three times a night. Don't that doesn't mean you have to eat, too. <laughs> OK, I think I'll be OK on that one. I'm, I don't have any little Debbie's around here or anything like that. So, yeah, well, we didn't until we had the kid because I needed a snack in the middle of the night. <laughs> Uh, I was like, I'm going to uh, pick up some of these to eat. Because I was like, I used to be able to eat anything. It wouldn't, I'd never put on weight, you know. Yep. And uh, that changed. That changed it right there. So Yeah, well, a lot of good notes and a lot of good points for the, the dad soon to be. And Steve's on, his, on the backside of this. Kid's going to college. You and me are in the middle of this. And I'm the total rookie greenhorn going into the first winter here. So it'll be interesting. <laughs> Oh, it'll be, it'll, it'll definitely be, and you know, I could joke around. I wouldn't trade any of it for anything in the world, but there will be times when you will question (laughs) the the choices that you have made. (laughs) That's very consistent statement, Steve. I've heard that one and I do, I can see why that would, you know, be an important one. But uh, yeah, I'm going to join the the family here of those, those choices. Yeah. I don't regret I don't regret it one bit. I, I, I was actually getting into being a father. I wasn't super stoked about the whole thing because we were. I was still kind of doing my adventure stuff, and uh, I had no idea how much uh, how much I could love those little rascals like I do now. And now I totally get it when people are like, "Nope, it's totally different." You'll you'll find a a whole spot in your heart you never even realized it existed, and and they were absolutely right about that. So. You're gonna yeah. unlock a whole new chamber that you didn't even know was there. You might you might even know that it's there, but you still have no idea how big that room is. Well, that's good to hear, and I'm sure Steve will agree with you on that one. It sounds like. Oh, absolutely, 110. Yeah. percent Well, sounds sounds good. You sold me. I'm sold on that. <laughs> I'm okay with the expanding my heart capacity. So well, as long as we get some more good adventures going and keep pushing the limits regardless of what else happens at home, you know, in some way, shape or form. Uh, sounds like it's just going to be a good future. So, yep, I think so. Lots, lots to, lots to come. Well, you'll have to, 
You'll have to keep us. You'll have to keep us posted, Benji. I'm sure Ryan will know, and and uh, Ryan will probably manage to to get the word to me. But um, I think we uh, probably ought to look at at wrapping this thing up. I don't. Uh, I don't really have much else, and we've. I feel like we've managed to probably scare the hell out of you as far as having a kid now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's staring at this computer for this long. This is a new personal record. I've never been at a computer for an hour and twenty four minutes. Oh, has it since been a, high school? It's been an hour yeah. and twenty four minutes. Wow. Yeah, I'd never he's stayed probably, on one. Uh, he's probably watching all the blue lines jump. <laughs> yeah, this is freaky. <laughs> I want to get back to one of my bows here and get one of these things barking by this weekend. Yep, have to go out and chase a goat yeah. around a while to feel some normalcy again. Yep, yep, I'll go sleep out in the pen with him tonight. I'll feel better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hashtag awesome. Adventures of Pablo. <laughs> yeah, I'm snuggling with Pablo for sure. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for yakking with us for a while, and uh, it's good talking to you as always. I know since you're usually out in the mountains, I don't get to talk to you very often. I shoot maybe what once every two or three months. We yeah we chat a little bit, but uh, time difference yeah. and you out in the out in the wilderness somewhere. But yeah, good, good talking to you again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm, I love talking with you guys. I hope to get to chat some more and. Uh, Let's go outside and have some more fun and get back on here and share some stories and stuff. Um, yep. Good any, luck on that mountain lion, too. Yeah, I'll keep you posted if I get on something good. I'll give you a shout. Yep. All righty. Well, good Steve, deal. great talking to you, too. Thanks for having me on. Benji, we really do appreciate you you joining us tonight. Uh, I've enjoyed it, and we definitely are going to have you back on again. I've got a... I've got a couple of different topics in mind now, so we'll 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 have a, we'll have you back on here again real soon, okay? Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. You guys have a great evening and uh, appreciate your time. You too. And for everyone else, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to get entered into uh, the drawing for the, uh, the rod and license plate combo that's coming soon. And we'll see you here again next week. Take care, all.